So my Auntie Gloria listens to the podcast. You remember my Auntie Gloria? I love Auntie Gloria. I know. You've known her for years. You know what she said to me just yesterday? What did she say? She said, Ellen, I love your <laughs> podcast. Can Patrick talk a little slower, honey? <laughs> he talks so fast. I got to rewind it. Honey, I don't know what he's talking about half the time. Can you ask him to slow down for me? <laughs> Gloria, this one's for you. <laughs> Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I am amazing. You guys, we put up our Patreon and over 4,000 of you have already signed up. Oh my God. I seriously haven't stopped crying since Wednesday. So it's honestly remarkable that I'm even standing. I know you're sitting. I don't even know what to say about it. You guys joined the drama club. It's our Patreon. Here's what you get. You get three full bonus episodes per month. Our Friday night live in podcast form. We're doing trivia once a month. We've got our full regular episodes ad free. Like there's so much stuff there, girl. There's so much on the $10 tier. We have a close friends list on our Instagram where we show a little bit more yes. behind the scenes. We show you how we record. We just give a little bit more in depth on our social media because I think the one thing we needed in 2021 is more of us squawking in social media. <laughs> I think that's what everyone asked for. I'm not sure though. Yeah, yeah. Patreon.com slash obsessed with disappeared. Also join our Facebook group if you're looking for a, like a fun laughs free good time. Just join us in the Facebook group. Come meet your other true crime best friends. Talk about the episodes. Learn about other true crime podcasts and things you should know about. And every Friday we go live at 6 p.m. Eastern on Instagram. We talk about the case that we just covered on Wednesday. Mostly Patrick gets sidetracked after a couple cocktails and then just <laughs> screams and I end up hanging up on him. But it's seriously so fun, you guys. Come on by. You guys, one time I actually fell out of my chair during a Friday Night Live. I've since gotten like a more stable chair and every time I sit in it, I get a little sad that I'm probably not going to fall out of it this week, girl. Honey, you're really, really downplaying how aggressive that fall was. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen a death prop on RuPaul's Drag Race? It was basically that. It was basically that in chair form. So right, go just... take a look at that on our Instagram page at The Disappeared Pod and <laughs> laugh all over again. Laugh like it was 2020. <laughs> All right, you guys, Disappeared Season 3, Episode 8, Soul Searcher, tells us about the disappearance of Leah Roberts. After a series of personal tragedies, 23-year-old Leah Roberts is questioning the deeper meaning of life. Leah wanted to see the world and spread her wings. But no one expects Leah to leave the way she does. She didn't tell anyone that she was going somewhere. Then, a cryptic note and a money trail hint at where Leah the Adventure Seeker has gone. I could see that she was headed west on I-40. I thought that was that was just her course. It's a soul-searching journey that comes to an unexpected halt almost 3,000 miles away. There's no sign of Leah. You know, where could she have gone? That car has something to tell us. Girl, this one made me feel real old, girl. Wait, why did it make you feel old? Because it's about this, like, adorable, like, 20-something-year-old girl who, like, wants to go on, a, like, a quest and find herself. She's sitting in coffee shops all day long just trying to find herself. I don't even think I did that when I had the opportunity to sit in coffee shops all day long. I totally did. This girl, Leah, she's a journaler. I was a journaler. I used to sit, you guys, it's so gay. It's so gay. Go, go. I used to just sit in the coffee shop on Christopher Street with Indigo Girls blasting in my ears just 
journaling about my feelings, girl. Journaling about my feelings. You know, one more time you mentioned the Indigo Girls, people are going to think they're a sponsor. <laughs> I'm not, I mean. I'm just saying, it just kind of brought me back to my 20s. Like, I used to say that I was like real big in the diner scene. I loved going to like the diners and like sitting with my shitty coffee and just like. Honey, you were big in the diner scene. Don't ever repeat that. <laughs> Don't ever repeat that. You just got all of your cool points stripped away. I know. I used to go to like every diner in the village and just sit there with my back. This is before I discovered drinking. This is why I really need drinking, girl. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, di- I didn't know there was a diner scene. So that's new information for me. I'm still hung up on that. Someone's like, yeah, I was like a raver kid. Yeah, I was like a club kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like a concert kid. I was a diner kid. <laughs> so it's March 2000. 23-year-old Leah Roberts is, what is she doing, girl? She's, she's been in the coffee shop scene in her town. She's sitting in a coffee shop writing in her journal. She used to hang out at this coffee shop. Coffee shop, Cup of Joe. I think she would have loved to write the next great American novel. For her, it was a way to get things down on paper and probably good for her soul. Yeah, she's sitting in a coffee shop called Cup of Joe. I and know. I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we couldn't do anything I, better than that. <laughs> I do love like a good coffee shop name, like the Daily Grind. Or like, you know, Love You a Latte. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hey, if you were to go into one of those um, coffee shops and ask for like, I don't know, like a French pastry, what would you be ordering? Um, I would look at the cabinet and I would sort of like yeah. gaze at their options and their offerings for the day. Sure. And yeah. then I would probably pick out a... <laughs> it's like not even a sound anymore. It's just a, it's just like a slight guttural inflection. It's just, uh-huh. mm-hmm. it's not even a word. I, it's got no phonation whatsoever now. Guttural inflection, that's my drag name. You guys, we were being told by her friends and family, Leah was an old soul. She was wise beyond her years. She was like the kind of kid that wanted to write the next great American novel. This was obviously before podcasting killed reading. I feel like Daisy's an old soul. Don't you feel like Daisy's an old soul? That's so nice of you to say, because I for sure feel like this is my first go at this. Oh yeah, no, agreed. 100%, <laughs> strong agree. Daisy just like, Daisy looks at us like, uh, Oh, God. Like, she just has pity for us at all times. She looks at us. She's like, you people. So new. Leah has decided there is more to life than graduating college. She kind of resented it and disagreed with the fact that you should get a degree to move on with life. She was interested in, you know, that life adventure, figuring out why we're here, what we're doing. So we also learned that she's like a few credits away from getting her degree in Spanish and anthropology from North Carolina State University. We learned that she's not super into school. She wants to quit. She's a free spirit. And I'm like, look, you know, she says that like she doesn't think you should have to have a degree to succeed in life. I agree with all of those things, girl. I totally agree. But she's like weeks away. Exactly. She's like weeks away, girl. I just finished, like, I bet, Leah, girl, if you didn't turn in a single other assignment, if you don't withdraw from the classes, you'll probably still graduate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved college. I loved college. Me too. College is some of the happiest times of my life. But it's not because of what I learned in classes. It's the assholes I met along the way. Raise your (laughs) hand, Patricia. (laughs) So anyway, we meet Leah's roommate, Nicole, who's also like her good friend. She's saying that Nicole was out making new friends all the time. And it seems like Nicole was not a big fan of that. She would go out places by herself and she would meet people while she was out, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal. But then to be doing it constantly and then really not having any contact with your friends, I was definitely worried about that. I'm 
going to reveal my issues with Nicole at a later time because she really, really pushes my buttons at the end of this episode. But yeah, I mean, she really just didn't like it. So, I mean, Leah was just expanding her horizons, which Nicole did not appreciate. No, and it's like, look, I gotta tell you from personal experience, when I was Leah's age, 23, I went out by myself all the time. I loved going out. I know you did, yeah. I loved going out by myself. I loved it, girl. You went to dinner by yourself? Yeah. For someone who is as codependent as you are, (laughs) you did have a little, like, fun little single life. I mean, we all know what you were doing out there, girl. What was I doing? You want me to say it? My mom listens to this podcast. (laughs) Well, I want to know what you think I was doing. Well, there was no grinder at that time, my love, right? (laughs) So you had to work a little harder. to seek it out. Look, I may have had a gentleman caller or two in my swinging single 20s days. I don't deny it. I don't deny it. What of it? If Grindr had existed when I was single in my 20s, I would be dead now. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Very glad you did not grow up in the Grindr days. Thank you, girl. So we're learning from Leah's close friends that they were concerned about her pulling away from her close circle because girls had a lot of tragedy in her life, girl. Yeah, so we're going to learn that when Leah was 17 years old. Her dad got a respiratory disease, which they didn't elaborate on. So all the while, while he was sick, also at the same time, her mom was like quietly sick with heart disease, but they were paying so much attention to the dad that the mom was like silently falling ill. We always kind of focused on my dad, but my mom was not doing so well all along and it it wasn't quite as obvious. She wrote about feeling like She had been born again, born into this new life without a mom. So when her mom passed away, she took some time off school and then did go back to school in the fall of 1998. And she did like all this cool shit. She like took like a semester abroad and went to Spain. So she gets back from Spain. She's still like recovering from the fact that her mom dies. She like is in a major fucking life-threatening car accident. A transfer truck turned in front of her and she had no choice but to run straight into it. The near-fatal accident left Leah with a punctured lung and shattered femur, requiring doctors to place a metal rod inside her leg. Yeah, she almost died. She had a punctured lung and a broken femur, which required a metal rod to be placed in her leg. Yeah, and then she decides, like, fuck all that. I'm going to go to Costa Rica. And it's not the Peace Corps, but it's something like that. And then two months before she's supposed to go to Costa Rica, her fucking dad dies, girl. Yeah. What's that Tignataro joke where it's like, God only gives you what you can handle. And God's like, no, yeah. give her more. No, no, no. She could take more. No, no, no. no. Leah's, Leah's got a little more in her. Give her another one. Yeah. God. <laughs> I know. Poor thing. God, girl. But a month after her dad passes away, she does indeed go to Costa Rica. When I got to that point in the doc, I like gave her a standing ovation. I was like, this is what your dad and your mom would absolutely fucking want you to do. Yeah, same. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. But this is where not so cool friend Nicole goes down to Costa Rica to visit her after her father's death. And she's like, she didn't seem at all affected by it. I was like, bitch, grief is not linear. (laughs) Listen, she's been through so much. I mean, can I monologue? Who's going to stop you, girl? I mean, honestly, no one. But (laughs) I just think we as Americans, we don't travel out of the country enough. Oh, pull over. It's a travel monologue. I, (laughs) I didn't see it coming either, you guys. It's a travel monologue. No, I just mean that like it is backed by science the health benefits of traveling the world. Seriously, I'm not kidding. You're laughing at me. I can already see you laughing. Why are you laughing at me? 
look, this episode is fucking fascinating. There's so many like twists and turns and things that happen. This is what you want to talk about? Well, no, I just... The floor is yours. Reclaiming your time. Reclaiming your time. I just mean that like, I, 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 I don't know. Nicole fucking flipped my bitch switch. I don't even know. <laughs> she really did. Sit down, buckle up, keep your hands and arms inside the compartment at all times. Hold on to any loose items. It's going to be a bumpy ride, asshole. Why is she judging her going abroad and trying to find herself when her fucking parents just died? I know. Am I irrationally mad at Nicole? Am I irrationally mad at Nicole? Be honest. I will say this in Nicole's defense because we learned that when Leah gets back from Costa Rica, she still is doing that thing of like guitar lessons, photography, spending hours journaling. She's not working. And, you know, she has inherited some money from the death of her parents. So she doesn't have to have a job. But I do think Nicole is like me and you a little bit. And that like Nicole probably didn't have anybody giving her cash. Nicole like has always had to have a job. Like we hear a story that at one point Leah's like, Nicole, let's get the car and drive cross country. Right. And Nicole's like, sounds like a great idea, girl. I've got $4 in my bank account and a double shift at the fucking restaurant tomorrow. So no, I'm not doing that, Leah. Yes, I get it. But then my favorite, my favorite thing she said, I'm laughing or else I'll punch my hand through the computer. But she <laughs> She's like, she started buying books. I know. She said, I know. started I, I know. buying books. She was thinking for herself. She started leaving the kitchen. She started having opinions. I was like, Nicole. She wanted to vote? Yeah. So we're back to Thursday, March 9th. This is the day that Leah's going to go missing. So at 11 a.m., she finishes talking to her sister. We learn that she confirms plans with Nicole to babysit together the following day. We had made plans on that Friday to go babysit. Friday came and she never showed up. I thought maybe she forgot or maybe something came up and she just wasn't able to do it. To which I wrote, why does this babysitting situation require two people? Thank you. wrong with this podcast yeah. is we share a brain so there's no like op-ed here I'm just like I know yeah we were gonna go babysitting together like that's that's a team sport I know which means you're gonna take your eight dollars an hour and divide it in half like you guys just opened a daycare girl <laughs> you did you did I circa did. 2012 did. Oh or whatever God. you guys breaking news I had a daycare for two weeks my life for the past 20 some odd years has been as follows Patricia I have an idea. Ellen. Okay. But here's the gag. He always does it. And then he does it well or he gets the fuck out. Everybody should live their life like you. Because you were like, I'm going to be a concierge. I was like, okay. And you're like, I'm going to write a book. I was like, okay. Like my whole life, my whole life has prepped me for this moment because all I've done is yes and did you for 20 years. That is so nice. The daycare was such a nightmare, you guys. I'm literally- You guys, he opened a daycare. A daycare. And he had to go through steps. It took me a year of getting certified to open this daycare. At one point, it was so awful, I stuck my head in the freezer. I remember. This daycare lasted for two weeks and we shut it down. I was like, abort, mission, abort, mission. Yeah. Is everyone here? Whoever (laughs) thought that was a bad idea from the jump, can you raise your hand? (laughs) I know this is podcast form, but if you could see me raising my hand, I am. Anyway, on we blindly stumble. So here's one of the things I kind of love that Leah did. So Leah makes plans to go double babysitting with Nicole. But then we find out in a minute, she also then called every one of her friends and made plans with them all for the next day. And then Leah showed up to none of it. She had missed people and made all these different plans, but she never made it to any of the plans that she half started. 
house. So then we were really worried. Do you know what Leah did? Leah made sure everybody in her life knew she was fucking gone and gave nobody any answers. She wanted everybody wondering where the hell she was. Yeah, I mean... It's cruel. Like, we're going to learn that Leah went missing on purpose. I think that is fucking shitty. Whatever happened to Leah is terrible, and I hope that she's alive and okay. But, like, this is where I start to go, oh, Oh, shit. Like, this is not cool, sis. Yeah, it wasn't cool. So two days actually passed. There's no Leah in no car. And not down bitch Nicole calls the down bitch of the episode, Kara. Yeah. And she's like, have you seen Leah? And she's like, no. Kara is Leah's sister, just as a reminder. Yeah, Kara is Leah's sister. So they don't kick this into high gear until that Sunday when they start trying to call around, trying to find Leah. Leah's roommate, Nicole, called me that Sunday around noon and, you know, asked me if I had seen Leah. During the next 24 hours, Leah's sister Kara and Leah's friends call everyone they know in a fruitless attempt to find out where Leah has gone. So Sunday is the day that everyone is calling around trying to find Leah. Nobody can find her. Monday morning, everyone shows up at Leah and Nicole's house. So it's a house full of down bitches. They're all gathered at the house trying to figure out what to do. And basically, Kara, like, storms in. And in Nicole's telling, Kara, like, kicks the door open, doesn't say hello to anybody, walks right past the coffee and donuts, and goes straight into Leah's room to get to the bottom of this shit. When Kara showed up, I think she was very worried to begin with. She walked directly in the door and went directly into Leah's room. And then Christopher says, judging by the state of Leah's room, I was like, listen, ID. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, not since Tara Grinstead have we seen a room. I was like, what in the fresh hell Tara Grinstead is going on? You guys, I'm just saying, look, I don't think Tara Grinstead knew she was going to go missing, so it makes sense that she didn't clean up. Leah, girl, you knew you were going to go missing. You vanished yourself away, girl. Like, there's going to be photographs taken. Just put the shit in the drawer. Yeah, but you don't even have to fold it. Just no! stuff it. Have you ever done that magical cleanup where you're just, like, stuffing shit yeah, everywhere? Yeah, I call it cleaning up, girl. That's the only way I clean up. <laughs> So Kara is saying, due to the Tara Grinstead-esque state of the room, she can tell that Leah left on purpose. It didn't give me concern that someone had done something to her. I could just tell that she had packed up and taken certain things. She had, like, packed clothes. She had taken stuff with her. And so Kara is feeling like, okay, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better. Like, I guess, like, right. I guess I can kind of decide she wasn't, like, kidnapped or forced away against her will. Yeah, yeah. So Monday, March 13th, they finally go to the police department when they realize kind of what they're dealing with. So the cops say something really comforting. They say they don't know where to start. Right. <laughs> well, there's a part of me that was like, why are they even filing a missing persons report? Like, she's obviously left on purpose. There's not going to be anything the cops can do. This missing persons report becomes really important later, so thank fucking God they did. Yeah. So just yeah. put a pin in that. But it's like, of course there's nothing the cops can do. Like, they're always guessing that the person left on purpose. At this point, the friends are like, so my friend left on purpose and I don't know why. Yeah. And it's like, Nicole, she was just tired of living with you, girl. Yeah. The friends say, like, we were all pretty worried about her dot, 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 but also angry. Yeah. And I wrote, good, be angry. Yeah. Like, this, she walked out and didn't, like, it, that's not okay. Yeah, it's all really, really confusing the manner in which she did this. So, Sister Kara actually finds a note in her room, and on the cover of the note is a picture of the Cheshire cat. And we learn that Leah has had an odd fascination with the story of Alice in Wonderland. They even show a picture of her one Halloween dressed as the story. Yeah. And she notes the symbolism of a Cheshire cat. I kind of wondered if it wasn't the cat 
that always disappears and reappears out of nowhere. I feel like it might have meant to her, here's my grin, it's here, it's gone, it'll be back. It's a drawn like doodle of the Cheshire Cat. I just think that's so telling. Weren't you creeped out by that? I totally was, but you guys were like burying the lead because the sister Kara didn't find this note until Tuesday. So remember, Leah goes missing on Thursday and like has apparently left a note for her roommate. Her room was such a Tara Grinstead mess that nobody found this note until Tuesday. Kara's been in the room since Sunday. Like this note's been sitting here for days and days and days and she doesn't find it until Tuesday, girl. Yeah, and she also, with the note, she leaves money for bills for a month. Yeah. Like about a month's worth of bills, which is number one, very considerate. Which is something you would totally do, by the way. Yeah. I would not do that, but you would definitely do that. I'd be like, I'm out of here. Bye. You'd be like, well, here's a check for $34.18 to cover the electric. I mean, why not? I know. Of course I would. I know. So the other thing that that does is leads them to believe that she might not not be gone for good. Right. Like she might just be kind of having a moment and stepping outside for a bit and going for a long walk. It was to cover expenses for about a month. So uh, I felt like she'd be back in a couple of weeks, you know, at the most. We also don't get the full text of the note. We just see that, like, a note was left, and then there was, like, scribblings in the margins. Like, Yeah, it's rambling. Yeah, and so this is where we, like, see references to Jack Kerouac and On the Road. This is, like, apparently we find out that she was, like, obsessed with Jack Kerouac. And if you guys don't know who he is, he was, like, a 50s-era beatnik writer who, like, traveled the country and, like, didn't have any money and, like, lived in his car and, like, lived off the land, and he wrote about it. It's, like, adventure. Leah had talked to me about Jack Kerouac. I think she kind of romanticized about that sort of lifestyle. Here he is in the 50s, traveling across the country with hardly any cash, and he described this beautiful country, and I feel like she was maybe itching to get out on the road and do some soul searching. And I just have barf. Barf, 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 barf. You know what I like, girl? I like heat and air conditioning. And I like eggs for breakfast. Why are we romanticizing this? I wrote, what are you going to do? Go camping? Like, what? what? No, girl, no. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, the Cheshire Cat. The Cheshire Cat having direct correlation. Okay, we're back. Pull over. She's got more to say about the Cheshire Cat, you guys. (laughs) Pull out a voice memo. You're going to want to take notes, you guys. I'm just saying the Cheshire Cat has direct correlation to Jack Kerouac. (laughs) (laughs) Write it down. It's going to be a quiz. It's going to be a quiz. It's going to be hard. Oh, God. Okay. All right. I'm going to slow spiral. So, like, this is the other thing, too, where, like, friend Nicole was like, you know, the thing about the note was that she sounded happy. Like, she was looking forward to this adventure. To which I said, fine, let's end the episode here and go look for people who want to be found. Why are we looking for these people who are disappearing on purpose? Yeah. But you know what statement really threw me for a loop? Do you remember when she said, um, I'm not depressed. I'm the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, that was in the note. Like, the note was very, I don't know. The note seemed very happy. I mean, she seemed very happy about what she was doing. Okay, so I'm going to say this word and I don't really want to elaborate on it, but I just want to kind of like drop the little nugget in there. Yeah. Manic. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm the opposite of depressed. I'm the opposite of depressed. I'm not depressed. Who says that? I know. That That struck me the second time I watched it. I'm not depressed. I'm the opposite. 
I go back to like, then go on your journey. But just what does it hurt to call your family and tell them that you're okay once a week? Like, I don't understand the point of this. Like, it's just so hurtful to the family. I don't know why you would do it. Yeah. My challenge to happy people is to not disappear themselves. Right. (laughs) Totally. I want to put that out as a 2021 challenge for everyone. (laughs) Should you choose to accept. But so this is where we find out, you guys, that Kara, Kara is determined to find the fuck out what happened. And so we learn that Kara had been given power of attorney over Leah when Leah went to Costa Rica, which means that she has access to all of her bank records. And so Kara is like, I'm going to get the fucking bank records today. And this is where I wrote, sometimes it's hard to figure out who the down bitch is in these episodes, but then they present themselves. They always present themselves. I was able to get her bank records that afternoon and I could see that she was headed west on I-40. That's when we finally got a hint that she was going across the country. And the best thing Kara said was that she was able to do so. She was able to get all the records and she was like, she was heading west on I-40. I know. Like, she just like knew. She was like, bitch, that's I-40. Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with Sister Kara. So we also learned that the night she left, because Sister Kara was able to get the bank records, we learned the night that she left, she withdrew $3,000 cash. So like, this is the thing. I hate to disparage the probably dead, but this is a very dumb decision. So Leah, is withdrawing $3,000 in cash. I'm assuming so she doesn't have to use her credit card so she'll be hard to trace but then she's using her credit card to get gas. So it's like, sis, you literally are pinpointing everywhere you are on the map by using your credit card for gas. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then in addition to that, you're like a single young person alone in the country with a shit ton of money on you. Yeah. Jack Kerouac didn't do that, sis. No, Jack Kerouac did not have 3K on him. Absolutely not. But she also checked into a hotel with her credit card. That was the other thing. She only bought gas and she checked into one hotel. And as far as I know, she drove for five days and only checked into one hotel. I just wonder if she forgot forgot that Kara had power of attorney. Probably. And that she'd be able to get the records. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Kara is telling us that, like, she's able to get across the country in four days. It didn't make sense at the time, and I didn't think there was any specific reason for her to go there. But it seems like she had a very deliberate path. She wasn't sightseeing. She wasn't, like, stopping at the Grand Canyon for a day. Like, she was, like, trying to get there real fucking fast. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Manic, like, if she's going on this adventure... Yeah. And you have the opportunity to drive cross country, which I've done and is beautiful. And like you take your time and you, she was not stopping. No. She did not stop for anything but gas and maybe to sleep. That's not a leisure trip. That's like you're going somewhere with a purpose. Right. I'm like, did you meet somebody on the internet that you're going to meet out there or something? Like she was not taking a leisurely, like a fun Jack Kerouac esque cross country drive. So we're at March 13th. We're at where the episode starts. They know that she made it to Oregon. But that's where all the activity on the credit card stops. She gets to Oregon. So Sister Kara and not-so-helpful roommate Nicole (laughs) decide to go to the coffee shop and they try to talk to some of the people she had recently befriended. And it actually works. They meet Janine Quiler. And she's like, yeah, we read Dharma Bums. Which is another Jack Kerouac book I've never heard of, which is weird. Yeah. And Janine, plain as day, like she's just telling us what she had for lunch that day. like, We talked a lot about Jack Kerouac because we both read Dharma Bums and In the book, he had gone over to Washington State in the mountains and had thought a lot about what was important to him. 
it kind of resonated with her. She wanted to go over there and just be alone and figure everything out because she'd been going through a tough time. Yeah, I mean, like, I knew she was going to the mountains. She told me. She was following Jack Kerouac. She told me ahead of time. The mountains that they talk about in this Dharma Bums, I guess, are the mountains of Washington State, which seems like where she was headed. But wait, can you tell me Janine Quiler's lower third? What did it say? Coffee house friend. <laughs> what is she? I don't know, her friend. But where does she know her from? The coffee house? So should we say coffee house friend? I mean, that that seems that seems oddly specific. Yeah, but like, rather than roommate, friend. Okay, yeah, I guess, I guess coffee house friend. So now it's Sunday, March 19th. It's been nine days since Leah left. Nobody's heard from her. It's also Kara, the sister's 26th birthday. So she's expecting to hear from Leah. Like Leah, who left on purpose, she and her sister are very close. Kara is expecting a phone call for her fucking birthday. I totally get it. Instead, she gets home and there's a handwritten note in her door from the Durham Police Department, which is where Kara lives. When I got home on the morning of my birthday, and found a note from the local sheriff's department. I found out that Leah's car was found in Bellingham. I had never heard of the area and um, just trying to make sense of why her car would have been found there. And the note says Leah's car has been found in Bellingham, Washington. Like, you need to call us right away. Yeah, who's writing a handwritten letter? I, I have so many follow-up <laughs> questions. How did they get the address? Do they not have a computer? Why didn't they call? What if someone took the, a hand? I need to, ah, I need to get a message to someone. It's 2000. <laughs> Are any of the carrier pigeons available? No? No, I'm gonna, I could skywrite her something. <laughs> what if she's not looking up at that moment? I know, I'm gonna write her a handwritten letter <laughs> to call me. Anyone got any loose leaf? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone got a quill? I just have some, I have a note to write. I have a letter to write. I'm going to write a letter. What? I know. I know. And it's just like slid in her little mailbox in her door in the reenactment. Like, I don't understand. So we find out that the day before, so March 18th, like this outdoorsy, woodsy guy in Washington, probably super hot and like lumberjacky, if you're asking me, wearing, you know, flannel and like a pair of tight jeans, probably like a top knot. Do you want a minute? I I didn't know that I needed yeah. one, but yes, yeah. I would like one now. Yeah. Great. Great. You just let, you let me know when you, when you're all finished. Finished. Okay, great. <laughs> so this guy and his wife are out for a walk and they see what can only be described as a fucking terrifying like horror movie scene. As he's walking down that road, he noticed some clothes in the trees. And as he looked down the, uh, the ravine, he saw a vehicle. He went down the ravine and found a passport and ID, called 911 to report a, a vehicle in the ditch. They're like deep in the woods. There's clothes scattered everywhere. They look into this like ravine. They see a vehicle, like a car turned over. There's a passport. There's an ID. And it's Leah. Like it's her car. It's all of her shit, but there's no person there. Yeah. It is the white Jeep Cherokee. It has North Carolina plates. Now this is where we meet Detective Jamie Collins. I literally wrote Detective Jamie Collins. Anything you want to say, girl? That's literally what I wrote my notes. <laughs> he looks like he exercises. He looks like he keeps himself in pretty good shape. You guys should see Patricia literally like turned his shoulder into the camera. I baffled. And like, he exercises. Like, hey there. Little sh- hi, Jamie. Oh, hi, Jamie. When he uh, got to that vehicle, the, the deputy thought it was suspicious in the sense that there was a vehicle down the embankment, clothes everywhere. But it, it could be real common in, the, in this county. We get these a lot. People end up drinking, they'll crash their vehicle. 
go down. They were reported uh, later on. It was treated like a, um, a crash vehicle, but it was unique because it was out of North Carolina. He's telling us that, like, the thing that this guy tells us is like, yeah, I know it's a really weird thing to see a car totaled down in a ravine where, like, shit has spilled out all over the car. It's been a really violent wreck. Turns out it's actually pretty common around here, girl. Yeah. He's like, people go out drinking, they wreck their cars into ravines, and they don't report it for days. Just It's just a thing that happens up here, girl. It's like Tony and the river with the 700 cars at the bottom. It's like, right, yeah, totally. not too weird. <laughs> not too weird around yeah. these parts. <laughs> Pretty norm. Yeah. So the crazy thing. So imagine this uh, this site, this seemingly totaled car. Yeah. Now, this is the creepiest thing. The Jeep had blankets in the windows. Imagine like a blanket in the window and then the window rolled up. The Jeep was left with blankets and pillows covering the blown out windows. Personal items like a checkbook, a guitar, music CDs, and bags of clothing are strewn across the area. But the one obvious thing missing from the scene is the driver. So, like, the windows have been busted out. So, it looks as though the windows got busted out and somebody was, like, in the car sleeping and, like, barricading the windows with, like, blankets and pillows and shit. Yeah, and again, it's the Tara Grinsteadiest car. There's checkbooks, clothes, shoes, CDs. There is so much stuff in this car. How do people drive around in cars like that, girl? I don't get it. Yeah, so much stuff. Clean your cars, people. I, ugh. And so they call the police and they link the license plate, of course, to a missing person, which goes back to, thank goodness that they filed the missing persons report. I literally was like, thank God, I don't know that I would have done it. Like, if you went away on purpose and we could tell, yeah. I'd be fucking mad at you, but I don't know that I would like file a missing persons report. Thank God they did. Yeah. Because like, this is like bada bing, bada boom. They're able to figure out exactly whose car this is. I know. So, the whole family goes out west. Kara, Heath, the brother, they want to investigate. They're checking the damage. They're checking the trees. Okay, this, again, is where it gets crazy again. You have to see a picture of this car. It is flipped. It is turned. Maybe things were tossed out. Not only is Leah nowhere to be found, there is no blood. Right. There is no sign of impact of a human. It didn't present itself as anyone in the vehicle. A lot of times you look at the windshield and see if there's head damage or something like that or damage to the uh, to the steering wheel, and you didn't see any of that. And you would have thought there would have been trails of some kind of blood. We just didn't see it. You know, I mean, not to be graphic, but no head in the windshield. Yeah. Nothing that would... They talk about the seatbelt. Yeah. They say, like, the seatbelt wasn't stretched. Like, basically what they're saying is that, like, nobody was in that car. But what's so fucking creepy about that, and I've heard this story on other podcasts that get more into this. They don't really get into this on Disappeared. Who the fuck put the blankets in the windows, you guys? Yes! Like... I don't think Leo was in that car when it went into the ravine, but somebody was fucking living in that car. It was Bigfoot. It was fucking Bigfoot. We're in the woods in the Pacific Northwest. If Bigfoot's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in that car. You... (laughs) <laughs> the amount of times you have brought up Bigfoot lately makes me concerned for your yeah. well-being. Are you okay? I'm okay, but we're in the woods all the time. That's where Bigfoot lives. Okay. So, the, the <laughs> you're so cute. So, the family arrives in Bellingham, and the first thing they say is they're like, oh, actually, it's, it's actually beautiful here. It's really cute. The guy's like, makes sense. Like, my sister loves the coffee shop. This place is full of it. Got those quaint little downtown coffee shops, girl. Yeah, they were like, this is this is quite peaceful. Should right. we move here? Like, they're totally psyched. They're like, Leah, yeah, no wonder she came here. It is cute as fuck here. It's funny, though, because we have a friend who grew up in Bellingham who couldn't get the fuck out of there fast. I know, I know. <laughs> 
And so Brother Heath really breaks it down for us. They were like... Either Leah had had an accident in the car and had wandered off and was intentionally staying out of contact with people or that something bad had happened to her. Some sort of foul play. And so they go back to like what they know. The last place we know Leah was, she paid for gas in Oregon on March 13th. The car was found like five days later. And so they say like what happens in between is kind of anybody's guess, but they find a clue in the car. They're sort of going through like the shit in the car and they find what my boyfriend Jamie calls like a memory box. And they open the memory box and there's a ticket stub for the movie American Beauty at the Bellis Mall in Bellingham dated for the afternoon of the 13th. So if you remember... Like 1 a.m. on the 13th, she's buying gas in Oregon. At like 2.30 in the afternoon, she's going to the movies in Bellingham, Washington. So they're thinking, like, let's go to the movie theater. Like, maybe somebody there will remember her. They didn't remember Leah at the movie theater. So we decided to start asking around in the food court. And I immediately noticed a type of restaurant I thought Leah would go to. So they go to the movie theater. Nobody remembers her there. And they go to the mall where she was at. And her sister was like, hmm, if she went to any restaurant, it was this one. And in my head, I was like, no, it wasn't. And they're like, it was. And I was like, oh, I know. plot twist. I know. Okay. But I, I will say, though, I feel like if I went missing and you went to a mall full of restaurants where I was last seen, I think you'd be able to quickly determine which was my last restaurant. Like, Cosmotini yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, world. Or like Margarita House. <laughs> like, I just love that you're like walking around. Like, could it be the Burger King or the Waffle House or the TJ? Oh, Margaritaville. No, no, no. We Girl, we know where he was. We found a Cosmotini world. There's a stool with her name on it. There's just a Patrick size cutout in the wall. I'm like, <laughs> there she is. Hey, girl. <laughs> just, hey, oh, hey, it's two for one. Get over here, bitch. <laughs> And everyone knows you. I was like, have you seen? And they're like, oh, did we ever? She could talk the hind legs off a donkey. But like, I am guaranteed, like I would not have gone missing in this scenario because I never would have left yeah. Cosmotini world. I would for sure still be there. You're lovingly predictable. I love you so much. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's easy to figure out which restaurant I was last in. Which one's got the biggest fire and the cheapest drinks? So here's what happens. So the sister is right. She guesses the restaurant that Leah ate last at. They go in and, and the people who work there remember that she had sat at the bar. My kind of girl, by the way. Anytime I go to a restaurant, I want to sit at the bar. I never want a table, girl. I always want to sit at the bar. Yeah. Oh, totally. They remembered her sitting at the bar. There were a couple of other patrons on either side of her, but she was alone. It gave us another piece of Leah being in Bellingham. And she was in one of her chatty moods and this patron wanted the police to know. So she had talked to this guy. She's sitting at the bar. Imagine little Leah. And there's a guy on her right and a guy on her left. So they found the first guy she was talking to. And they were like, yes, I was talking to him. But she was also talking to the dude on the other side of her. So there was a second person there. And the second person is contacted and he verified that she had been talking about Jack Kerouac. She had been talking about this adventure. But the second guy says that Leah didn't leave the restaurant alone. She left with someone by the name of Barry. The second individual gave us a description of this individual. Uh, He called Barry, who Leah left with. He provides such a detailed description of the guy that they're like, you really know what this guy looks like. We're going to pull in a sketch artist to do a rendering. I'm like, look, this guy Barry, like according to the sketch, is kind of hot. So I probably would be able to do a sketch of him. Right. But like, why is this guy at the bar able to like recall with such detail what this guy Barry looks like? But 
the other guy, let's say the guy on her right or whatever, the first guy says she left on her own. So we have two conflicting stories here. Police are concerned. The story the second individual gives does not mesh with the account given by the first man, the one who called in the tip. Since police cannot verify the second individual's testimony, they begin to suspect the story of Barry, the man in the sketch, is a ruse. The cops are talking to both of them. They talk to the one on the left first, who's like, she left by herself. They talk to the one on the left second, who's like, she left with this other guy. And they're like, that doesn't jive with what the first guy said. So the cops are like, this is suspicious. Like, is this other guy, the second guy, is he trying to like, is he trying to invent a character to cover up for like him having had something to do with her disappearance? Yeah, also, how does guy two know that that guy's name was Barry? How did you know Barry? Can we call Barry? Can we email Barry? Can someone get Barry on? Can someone get Barry on the phone? Who's Barry? But why is like person one and person two not identified, but Barry is suddenly a magical guy? We have no idea who those other two guys are. They don't ever mention him by name. No, and I'm going to say right now, I don't believe the Barry story. I think guy number two at the bar is like suspicious as hell. Yeah. And we'll get back to him. So they process the car, right? So it's March 30th. They process the car. It's been 12 days since the car was found. And they get this like bad news, which is remember how she withdrew that $3,000 at the beginning of her trip so she could pay cash for everything? They find, wrapped up in a pair of pants in the car, they find $2,400, which means... It appears as though Leah has spent little money since the 13th of March, the day she was seen leaving the restaurant. If she was going to live in Bellingham for four or five days, she had to live somewhere. And it uh, doesn't look like she used a lot since Monday. She doesn't have a lot of money. Like, she's been missing for three weeks. So the idea that, like, if she is out there somewhere, she doesn't have this cash anymore. Yeah. And she hasn't been using her credit card. So, like, is she not alive anymore? Because, yeah. like, we found the money that she had and she hasn't been using her credit card. So this, like, really scares everybody as to, like, it seems like she may have met with, like, a sad end. And And so they go back to like the last place we know she was before this restaurant, right? She was at that gas station on March 13th and they pull surveillance video. Yeah. And it's crazy to see her. She's there. Yeah. And like we see, and the surveillance video is good. It's not grainy like it usually is. And like they're saying that she's there paying for her gas and they're like, it looks like she keeps looking out to the parking lot. They were able to see Leah going into the store and paying for a transaction and leaving. Uh, And she was by herself. She's wearing a hat and it's sped up, but it's her. A closer look at the video shows Leah peering out the door while she waits for the clerk to ring her up. She's alone, so that's interesting information. But she is, you can see in the surveillance video, she keeps looking out to the parking lot. Like, what's out there? There's no cameras out there, so we just don't know. It's another, like, is it an important clue or not? We just, we don't know. My gut tells me it was because she did it like three or four times and it wasn't casual. It seemed intentful. Right. It really seemed like she was looking at someone or some thing. I agree. I agree. And then, so we're back to the cops are now like searching for this Barry guy and they say straight up, there's no evidence that this Barry guy exists. They get on their cop Google machines probably. So like, so now they're looking at guy number two at the restaurant again. Like, who is this guy and why is he making up this story? Yeah, and unfortunately the case goes cold there. But then in December of 2006, seven years later, the original detective is retired. I mean, that's crazy. Seven years! I know. I The case goes cold for seven Seven years. I know, which is so sad. But then these two detectives are put in charge of cold cases, kind of resurrected a little bit. And they find out, yeah. hold on to your butts, that 
parts of the car yeah. were not examined. And down bitch Kara, the older sister, like she made sure that the police held on to the yeah, car. Yeah. So they still have the car. And like this is when these new detectives are like, holy shit, no one ever looked under the hood? I don't know where the hood is on a car, but no one ever looked under it, girl. I mean, like, I feel like if your job is to examine shit and you didn't examine shit... (laughs) Right, but what is so aggravating about all of this is that, like, they open the hood, they find fingerprints, it's new, it's, like, new evidence, they test the clothes in the car again, they find trace evidence of DNA. All of this, like, new, quote, evidence comes to nothing. We never get any information about the DNA. The fingerprints don't match the creepy number two guy who like brought up Barry at the restaurant. There's only one thing they find that's like worth even talking about. Right. So they basically find out that the car had been tampered with. It appeared though the Jeep had been tampered with and that it would have taken somebody with a knowledge of a mechanic in order to do that level of tampering with the vehicle. We found that the cover on the starter relay had been removed, which made it possible for somebody to turn the key on push the starter really and have the vehicle accelerate on its own. Basically, the Hoosie Watcher had been cut to the Dingle Hopper and it was all messed with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to Ellen and Patrick's Gay Mechanic Shop. How can we help you? <laughs> hey, girl. You want a Dingle Whoopie on the Whoopie What's under your hood? Um, <laughs> they come to the conclusion that the car could have been started and accelerated without a driver. And how did they not look? How did nobody know this for seven years, girl? Like, it's the new detectives that find that this thing has been tampered with in such a way to make that possible. Right. And it's like the answer we've known all along that nobody was in the car when it crashed off the ravine. But it took us yeah. seven years to figure this out. It's crazy. So they go back to the second guy. And as luck would have it, the second guy was a mechanic yes. in the military and now lives in Canada. How weird is that? Right. So odd. <laughs> and that's the thing. They're trying to pin these new fingerprints on this guy. It's not a match. The episode ends with them saying, like, we found male DNA on some of the clothes. We're going to test it and see if it matches this guy. The episode ends before we find out if it does. I searched the internet for this. I can't find any definitive answer on this. So that's how it ends, you guys. It just ends with us like, this girl is still missing. We have absolutely no fucking idea what became of her. Do you have any updates? No, there really aren't a lot of updates. I went down a lot of Reddit K-holes. I mean, I found some weird stuff on the internet. Like, I found, like, there's this one YouTube video I found where somebody thinks they saw her. Right, yeah, I saw And there's, like, a picture of this woman who, like, looks like it could be Leah, age progressed. There's another theory about a mummified body that was found that had, uh, that had, like, a metal rod. That's the whole thing about the injury that she had with the metal rod is that if they ever find, like, a body with a metal rod, each of these metal rods have, like, individual identifications numbers on them. They could trace it back to Leah. And apparently this like mummified like body was found with a metal rod relatively near where she was last seen. Yeah. And you know, I just want to say that I don't think she might have been as well as she was leading people to believe because people don't do that. People don't leave their lives if they are happy and okay. I don't know. Say something funny. We had to stop and start this recording three times. Yeah. (laughs) Three times, you guys. You guys, we started, we stopped and started three times. One was Patrick's fault. One was my fault. One was Daisy's fault. Bow, 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 (laughs) bow, bow. (laughs) 
we did Disappeared Season 3, Episode 8. You guys, join the Patreon. So we already have one full bonus episode up there right now. We're going to have another one up by the end of this week. We're doing our very first trivia for everybody at the $5 level or higher and the first Friday of November. No, um, the- February. Oh, God. Keep that in. God. Keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> On the first Friday in February, it's going to be bananas. You want to join the Patreon for the trivia of nothing else. Come hang out. It's going to be like a game show. I'm just going to make fun of Ellen the whole time. We're going to ask real true crime trivia questions. We're going to have winners and prizes. It's going to be bananas. And join us every Friday night, 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday Night Live, where we go over the episode. We make fun of each other. We answer your questions. We take a lot of your questions, which is super fun. We get to interact with you. We absolutely love it. It's like the highlight of our week, kind of like the end of our week, which is pretty fun. It's so going out. the bank and join the Facebook group. Lots of trolling, lots of memes, lots of <laughs> lots of quizzes. It's lots of fun. Yep. Obsessive Disappeared <laughs> Podcast Discussion Group. You can follow Patrick on Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram and stuff like that. You can follow me at Ellen Marsh. You can follow me on TikTok, Ellen Marie Marsh. You are so, you you try to fly through it hoping I won't notice. You are so desperate for TikTok followers. Really de- it's sad. It's sad and shameful. Um, That's my drag name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you win. You win. We love you. All right, guys. we love you guys. Bye. Bye. She did. Honey, I don't understand a word he's saying half the time. I love it. I don't understand him. I had to purchase all the things in my Amazon cart in order to feel something. So I'm riding high on life and bad decisions. Okay. Here we go. Are you okay? What is wrong with your eyes? You are always rubbing your eyes out of your head, always. It's generally because my my utter frustration with you at most times. You know what I mean? Oh, oh my. Okay, great. Good. Well, great nobody nobody else has noticed that about me besides you. So I'm generally rubbing yeah. my head, trying to make sense of my life. Yeah, you know, yeah, what, yeah. wondering <laughs> where it all went wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. It's a journey. So, yeah, you don't strike me as the journaling type. Am I wrong? I journal. Oh, no, I journal. You do? I journal. And my favorite thing is when, like, 10 years later, I, like, find a journal. And I was like, oh, so I've always been unhinged. Okay, (laughs) good. Now it's in writing. Everyone can see. What do, what is anthropology, girl? Well, I was actually about to say the study of bones, but that's archaeology. (laughs) So. Anthro. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Patrick. Did you hear that Leah's gone missing? Did she really go missing? Yeah, I was thinking yeah. she would. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where did she go? Who knows? I don't know if she could. <laughs> it's terrible. Horrible. Terrible. Not every joke works, you guys. Not every joke works. So we'll see you in the outtakes. So, um, <laughs> so. The police station says a really helpful thing. They say, I feel like it's the cops that say it. Probably the police station doesn't talk. Yeah, that's a good point. So the cops (laughs) say something. 